episode 84 of the Fake Spike Podcast. Welcome aboard. It's Rob the Darksider here with another Dark Side episode. This is a dark episode. I, um, I'm going to start by saying that this is just another same old Jets performance. And I know if you're, you know, if, if you're like most of the people I've seen, you're already cringing and turning off your radio, but that's okay. That's okay because this is all about same old Jets and I will explain how and why. Now, this was a terrible, terrible loss, okay? So many people I see in, in Facebook groups and and the forums I, I go, there's a forum I go and like like old school posting and stuff and and everybody, for the most part, I'd say at least half, but a lot of people are happy because we gave a good team a fight down to the wire and we're growing, we're growing, we're growing. Yes, okay, all of that is true. We, we have we have a solid foundation. We have good players. We're growing. We're learning this. We're learning that. But at the end of the day, it's still the same friggin' results that it's been for 40 years. It doesn't matter whether the team is terrible or the team is good. Same old Jets always prevails. And same old Jets is not about being a bad team. I will say this for the 95,000th time. Same old Jets is not just being a bad team and losing, okay? Same old Jets is expectations and hope and then ripping the rug out from you. And that's what the Jets do, okay? Yes, we are all slightly blinded by the fact that the Jets have – uh, have really turned it around in the last year. They've got a lot of talent now. They've got seven wins. That's another thing I've heard. Oh, we expected seven wins. If I told you we had seven, I don't give a shit. We had seven wins in November. We, at that point, you should be expecting 10 and you shouldn't be giving games away. And we've given three out of the last five games away. But let me back up for a second. I get it. We have seven wins. Yes, people are are excited. The team has really, really reloaded and, and filled itself up with all kind of talent. I get it. And maybe next year, early in the year or next year at this time, I'll feel differently. But until the Jets stop giving games away in the way they give them away, I am not going to change my tune. Same old Jets, period, end of story, okay? Same old Jets is about, about having 20 things that if any of them go right, one out of 20 things go to Jets' way, the Jets win the game. That is that is a hallmark of same old Jets, right? All this ridiculous, all this ridiculous like like emphasis on stats and and all these th- things that win games for you. The Jets have have one thing they need to do and they could win a game, a winnable game, and they don't do it. it happens all the time. That is same old Jets, my friends. It's not about being a bad team or a bad organization because there's other bad organizations. The Browns are a terrible organization. The Cardinals are a terrible organization. The the uh, you know the Jaguars, for the most part, are a terrible organization. There are other terrible organizations that screw things up and and don't ever seem to turn things around. The Jets, as far as I can tell, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not intimately involved with other teams. I don't know how often they do this, but they, I, I don't know of any other team that does it the way the Jets do, where most teams right need to do five or six different things, and if they get a couple of them done, they could win the game, right? With the Jets, it's the reverse. All you have to do is do one thing. In this game here, the Jets, all they had to do was was score one touchdown out of five field goals. If you score one, it's a completely different game. The Jets had fourth and and one on I mean a first and goal on the one and 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 didn't get in on four tries. If one of those plays turns into a touchdown, the Jets win. If this didn't happen, if that didn't happen, any of I mean that game, 
any of 10 or 12 different things, if one of them would have gone right, the Jets win the game. And that's the frustrating part is they don't get that stuff done. It's been that way since the early 80s when I followed the Jets all the time. I started following them in 81. In the 70s, I know they were just a bad team. I can't speak for for how they lost games. But ever since I have followed the Jets, it has been like this. It has been get the expectations up do something incomprehensible, lose the game, and then look back and say, geez, if this would have went right, we would have won the game. There is no excuse for the Jets losing this game, okay? The Jets got off to a bad start against Minnesota. Tough tough game, right? On the road, big opponent. Yes, all of that is true. They were down 20-3. to three. I'll give them credit for fighting, fighting back. Absolutely, they didn't give up. They made adjustments on defense. All of that is true, but they still had multiple opportunities, just like they had multiple opportunities in the first Patriots game and the second Patriots game. That is what this is about to me, okay? I don't care how much talent they have. I don't care how good the coach is. I don't care how how much, you know, how much better they are than they were this year. I don't care about seven wins in in December when I expected seven for the whole year. I don't care about any of that. I'm talking about an individual thing here and that individual thing is that they gave away a very winnable game. Even down 20 to 3. It's not like the Jets were down 37 to 3 and fought all the way back and fell short. That's not what the case is here. The Jets had multiple opportunities to win this game, take the lead, do whatever, and they blew every single one of them. How is that possible so many times over the years? So many times. And maybe I'll do a separate show on all the different times this has happened to the Jets and I'll go do some research. I can remember a few off the top of my head, but this this was an this was unforgivable to lose this game. And for everybody who argued with me on Sunday night about how this is not same old Jets because they're much better and we're learning to win and next year these wins will turn to, these losses will turn to wins. Okay, well, I'll believe it when I see it because this is now three out of the last five games. I know I said this already. Three out of the last five games we've given away, okay? Okay, let's go back to the beginning of the season. The Jets stole a game from Cleveland and, and you know this stuff equals out. So let's throw one of those games out. One of the games we gave away, let's throw it out the door. Okay, so that 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 means that that we're going to we're going to have one of these three games equal out the the way Cleveland gave us the game. There's no other game that we didn't legitimately win. Okay, Pittsburgh, we came back, but they didn't give that game away. We we actually Zach Wilson actually had the best game of his career in the fourth quarter and we did well. There was no you know, in fact, we tried to give that game away. If you remember at the at the end of the first half, we we tried miserably to (laughs) miserable. I forgot exactly the circumstances, but we we were up 10-3 and and should have, uh, I'm sorry, were we down 10, whatever, whatever the number was, I forget it, but we screwed something up at the end of that half and ended up being down when we should have been up or had less of a lead, or maybe I'm thinking in New England, whatever the case is, there was no other win the Jets have that wasn't a legitimate win as far as the way things go. So Cleveland, cancel it out with one of these losses. That means we still gave away two games that we could have won. If you even split those two, instead of giving them both away, you you win one of them. Either win one of the New England games or win this Minnesota game, then we're eating four. If we, if we just say Cleveland was a fluke and we win two out of the three games, right? We, 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 we're nine and three right now, right? I'd rather be nine and three than seven and five. Obviously, I mean that's a, that's a the, the dumbest, most obvious statement ever. But the point I'm trying to make is that is that 
it's hard for me to accept that this is a team that's learning to win when we learned to win at the beginning of the season, right? Beginning of the season, we were finding ways to win games that we were out of or come back in th- on teams or whatever else. And now we're giving the games away like we always do. And that to me is why it's same old Jets. It's not because the organization's bad. It's not because we're losing. It's not not even it's not even because we we now faced with possibly you know, uh, uh, either a losing record or a record not as good as we thought it was because we fold in December. It's not even that. That's not even same old Jets. It is about giving games away that are winnable and should have been won. It's that simple. It is that simple. This Viking games, this Viking games, plural, like <laughs> I can deal with another one of those. So it's Wednesday as I'm as I'm doing this podcast, okay? I was at the game. I took my sons, my brother, my my nephew, and another buddy of mine. We went to the Minnesota game, had a great time. My weekend was made even before the Jets blew it. But that doesn't change the fact that I had to sit through what should have been a winnable game. And now it's three days later. I'm finally calm enough to do a podcast. Okay. And, and now here I am getting riled up again. I did sometimes I like to get on raw. If it's a really, really bad situation, I like to get on raw. This I, I can see people's point about it not being same old Jets and that, you know, they'll have to point to Cincinnati or Minnesota last year was seven, you know, was seven and nine or seven and 10, whatever they were. And so many close games, blah, 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 (laughs) whatever. I can see the point. I don't agree with it because until the Jets show me that they're not going to give these games away consistently, I'm going to believe they will. And it took me three days to be able to be calm enough to do this. Okay. I'm not happy with this loss. I don't see any silver lining other than the fact that Mike White seems to be a pretty good quarterback. I am still not completely sold. I'm still not ready to put the crown on him and say, you're our guy. But he is much better than what we've had, which that's another thing I've preached over the years. Better than what we have doesn't mean good. So I'm not ready to say good yet but he looks pretty good. So that's that's my one silver lining. Other than that, I don't take silver lining from taking a good team down to the wire on the road. I don't take a silver lining from that. It's just a bad loss. Just another bad loss on top of dozens and dozens of bad losses in this franchise's history. There is no excuse for not winning this game. You have six trips to the red zone and come away with you know, two, 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 there were no two, twice there was no touchdown, right? You had one touchdown. I don't remember how many of, of, of uh, Zerloin's field goals were in field goal range. Uh, we're in uh, the red zone, excuse me. Um, so, so I'm going to just throw a number out there and estimate where, you know, so, so on six trips to the red zone, we scored maybe three times, three times. So we got 10 points out of six trips. Okay. Your best case scenario, not going to factor in two point conversions. Your best case scenario would be, would be 42 points, right? Six touchdowns, uh, 36 points, excuse me. Six touchdowns, 36 points. We got 10, okay? What did we lose by? Five. Now, of course, things change during the course of a game. If the score is different here, you're going to do something different there. So Minnesota may have not have had only 27 points, but we, if we turn, if we even kick the field goal every single time we were down there, we win the game. Nobody wants to settle for field goals. But the point I'm trying to make is that six trips to the end zone with a possible max of, of uh, actually it is 42 points. That's right, 42 points with the extra points. Seven times six is 42. The Jets could have had 42 points and came away with 10. And that's, it's just not acceptable. It is not acceptable. It may be acceptable in September when you're still trying to get things together because what, what's what's the NFL these days, right? There's barely a preseason. The first month of the season's messy, and a lot of teams don't really start to gel until October and November. And the better teams, of course, really turn it on here now in December. 
The Jets are doing the opposite. They they seem to really do well at the beginning of the season when, when we didn't expect them to, and now they're falling apart to a degree. Uh, and, and, and you know, the defense hasn't been great in the first half in weeks. They, they were bad the last three games, right? Is it three games? Uh, yeah, the last three games in a row, the defense has been terrible. Not just not just bad or or okay, terrible in the first half. And the Jets, you know, it, it, I, I can't take a positive from the fact that that the Jets did all of these all of these things that, if you look at it in a vacuum, sounded good. Yeah, if you had just told me, if if I, I never watched the game, I didn't know what they did earlier in the year, I didn't know when the defense was good versus bad, and you told me they lost 27-22 and, and took it down to the final play, yes, I would say, hey, that's great. That's a positive. But that is lazy thinking. It is extremely, um, what's a straw man argument, right? That, that's, that's, that's the expression I like to use. A straw man argument is taking a point that has nothing to do with reality and trying to make your argument with it. That is a straw man argument to say to look at the score and say, "Hey, the Jets took the team down to the final the final play." Which, in in you know, if you want to talk, go by the letter of the law, that is true. The Jets were on the road against a very good team, and they were there on the final play. But that negates everything that happened before that. It negates the defense playing like crap for the entire first half. It negates the offense playing like crap for the entire first half. It negates the fact that the offense got down to the red zone a million times in the second half and couldn't score. It negates the fact that the defense played a great game in the second half except for one drive, one drive, and that one drive was a backbreaker because the Jets got to 20-15 to 15 after their 94th field goal, and the Vikings went down the field in like five plays, five, six plays, boom, 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 touchdown. It's like, Jesus, we just fought our way back. We just, you know, we, we were down 20-3. to three. Now we kicked four field goals, so we got down close enough four times to get to 20-15, to 15, and the first thing we do is put the game in three-score territory. So, that 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 right there is 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 frustrating in and of itself. So that it negates that it negates the fact that we then at twenty seven fifteen and and you can give some credit here. I'm not taking the credit away. It was great that the Jets battled back. It's great. It's great that they kept getting back in back in the red zone and 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 wouldn't give up. I like it. I like the heart, but heart doesn't win games. You know. Execution wins games, okay? The Jets are not executing properly, and it's three times out of the last five games. So you want to say it's only Minnesota or it's only New England once or whatever, that's fine. But it's three times in the last five games the Jets gave games away. And simply looking at the final score and the final play and saying nothing else matters, it negates all of that, all of it, okay? There is a lot to not be happy about in this game. And if you... And I don't know if I'm talking to a collective you or an individual you. If you, the listener or listeners, is happy and thinks that only the final result matters, then more power to you. I don't agree. I think this was another same old Jets loss. It's a terrible loss. It is not acceptable. And if you're in a playoff race, you don't lose games like this. Maybe next year the Jets will finally turn things around and put some games like this away. But it is not acceptable this year to be 7-4 and four and have control of your own destiny. That's, that's another same old Jets thing. Oh, my God. The Jets will never do things easily. 2009, the Jets had control of their destiny, lost a bunch of games, and ended up backing in, right? 2000, was it 10? I think it was the following year the Jets had control of their destiny, went and got murdered 45-3 to by New England on a Monday night and had to and had to go through the wild card. Now, they didn't back into the playoffs that year, but the point is the Jets will never, ever, and this is the same old Jets, the Jets will never do things the easy way when they have control of their own destiny. And they had control of their own destiny, okay? They were a game and a half behind Buffalo because Buffalo won. 
They were a game behind Miami heading into the weekend. All the Jets had to do from here on out is take care of business and win games. Now, I didn't expect them to win all six games. Nobody expects that, but I expect them to win the games that they are in and have a chance to win. You, you can't win every game you're in, but you should win the games that you should win. And I'm not saying should because, like, technically in a couple of weeks, they should beat Detroit. If they lose that game, I wouldn't be surprised. That's not a should win. I'm talking about fourth quarter, four opportunities to get the ball in the end zone. That's a should win. A good team, I don't, don't give me the young excuse. I don't want to hear it. A good team executes that and wins that game or... Or they lose the game in a different way. You score, take the lead, and if Minnesota, Minnesota comes back and beats you, then that's fine. But you can't lose the game the way you lost it, where you've had multiple mul- multiples of multiple opportunities and didn't get it done and just fell short. The Jets never even got there. If the Jets had had gotten to the point where they took the lead and then you know, they and Minnesota exchanged scores, kind of like that um, you know, Buffalo-Minnesota game a few weeks ago or Buffalo-KC last year, then I'd be like, all right, I'm not happy. I wish the defense had done it. But hey, good game, good effort, whatever. To fall short like that, never even do it at all, is a big problem for me. All right, enough about that. I think I've made my point. Uh, you know, feel free to come at me if you disagree. I'm always happy to talk about this stuff. Uh, I'm not saying I'm going to change your mind or you'll change mine, but uh, you never know. Now let's talk about the game itself, not so much the uh, the outcome. Let's let's do some some review, if you will. Uh, Mike White thought he, uh, you know, and he's throwing behind guys early on, but I, I really like the kid's spunk. He hung in there, made a couple of great throws. Yeah, I mean, people want to get on him for the for the throw he missed on Garrett Wilson, where you know that was he had you know Wilson had steps on the guy, but I mean, not everybody's gonna gonna make a, a perfect throw every time. I'm fine with that. The throw I do want to talk about, which was an awesome throw, was uh, the fourth down and ten to Corey Davis. I mean, what a laser beam this guy threw in between two defenders, right in in um, Davis's hands, turned into a 31 yard gain. It would have been a touchdown if, if uh, you know, like this guy didn't like touch, like touch Davis's cleat. And that's see, that's another thing. I, I won't get into that. That's just luck. You know, every little thing went the Vikings' way. Every tiny thing. But you know, the things the Jets did have control over, they just didn't get done. Enough of that. So that was a laser beam by 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 uh, White, and that was after he took a big hit. I loved it. Okay, um, so so Mike White. You know, I, I as I said earlier, I am still not sold that he is quote unquote the guy, but he's much closer to the guy than Zach Wilson is at this point. Certainly more than Joe Flacco is, and uh, I think you know White's got five more games to uh, to really t- you know take control of this and and let make the team have a tough decision in the offseason because I don't think he's convinced them yet. But I will tell you this, okay. Zach Wilson lost this team, and this team loves Mike White, the players, that is. Okay, they love him, love him. I mean, they're wearing Mike effing White t-shirts on the way to the game. I mean, my question is this. What the hell did Zach Wilson do to these guys other than not being good and throwing them under the bus? This is way more than that. This is something that's been brewing for a while. So Wilson's, maybe he's an arrogant little shit and doesn't doesn't know how to treat his guys, whatever. But what exactly, and I'm not asking rhetorically, I would love to know what exactly Zach Wilson did to alienate his teammates that much. That much. I mean, for for them to to basically have a mini mutiny before Wilson got benched, get him benched, and then now they they're so happy to have White there that they're wearing Mike F and White T-shirts. I mean, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall and find out what Zach Wilson did to these guys. And 
you know, to those people who who still want to talk about whether Mike White has won the job and, you know, in a couple of weeks, Wilson's going to get the job back. That would be such a typical stupid thing for the Jets to do. And I really hope they don't do it. Not so much because I love Mike White or that I think he's the guy. It's not about that. This is about, as I've been saying, and if you go back a couple of episodes where I talked about Wilson losing his job because of his because of his mouth, because he's he's not accountable, and then I, I was hoping the Jets would bench him. They did the right thing. So I've been saying this all the time. You cannot go back to Zach Wilson this year barring an injury to Mike White. You just can't. You cannot. If you willingly switch from Mike White back to Zach Wilson, you will lose this team and the fan base will go crazy. But I mean, let's let's not worry about the fans. We go crazy over everything. You will lose this team. So there's no way that that they're going to do that. They're just not. And if they do, then I, I, I have to say I give up all hope of anything. All those people who keep insisting that Wilson's coming back in a couple of weeks because Salah will not commit to Mike White. Uh, you know, you, you may not want to hear this, but they have to keep Zach Wilson motivated to some degree. Okay, they did what they had to do. They don't even dress him for games anymore. And that's your other clue. If if they had any intention of going back to Zach Wilson, they'd be dressing him. Let him be a backup. Hold the clipboard, something. They're not even dressing him. So there's your clue. Mike White is the quarterback for the rest of the year. But there's a political aspect to this where the team has to, you know, public, I'm not going to say political, a public relations aspect where they have to toe the line and say, hey, Zach Wilson you know, may still be our guy. His career's not over yet. I can't commit to Mike White. Okay, they have to say that, but actions speak louder than words, and that's a cliche, but it's true. The actions are that Mike White is the guy. Zach Wilson's not dressed, and the team is all in on Mike White. The, the players, that is not the not the organization. The, the players are all in on Mike White, and you cannot go and take that away from them. You just can't. That that would be foolish, silly, stupid. It would be much, much in line with the way the Jets have always been. So I guess it wouldn't shock me completely, but it would really disappoint me, okay? Let's see what else I have here on my list. I, I, um, oh, Berrios, okay? Forget it. The drop pass is just, it's typical Jets. It happens. But why is Berrios so involved in this offense all of a sudden? They didn't have him involved all year. You got a guy who is a much better version of him. I don't care how much you like Berrios. Elijah Moore is better than Berrios. He's faster. He's 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 even a little bigger. Um, I I don't understand why they're running gadget plays in the red zone with, with, with Braxton Berrios. But let's take it a step further, okay? Berrios is one thing. Why are they running gadget plays at all? in the red zone. Last week, one of the things I pointed out was that um, the, the the few times that the Jets didn't look good on offense against the Bears is when they tried to run these trick plays, these these reverses and these end arounds and these, you know, these misdirection draw plays, whatever. The Jets didn't gain any yards on any of them. They didn't work. So why, when the offense is moving the ball, do you suddenly resort to these plays and put yourself in, in tough second and third downs again? I don't understand it. And if you're going to insist on doing that, why Berrios, why is this guy running end arounds? Why I, I get he was the he was probably the, the check down option in the end zone. That that that's life. But running gadget plays with Braxton Berrios in the red zone is dumb. Running them at all is dumb, but running with Berrios is even more dumb. And I don't understand it. So that brings me to my point about about Mike LaFleur this week. I, I don't understand what what his game plan is. I mean, he, he called a pretty good game against Chicago. And I think he called a pretty good game outside the, you know, in, in between the 20s this week. But when you get into the red zone, the creativity disappears. It just, I, I don't understand. I mean, some guys have pointed this out. This is not my thought, but on, you know, first and goal from the one, why are you passing on, on third and fourth down? Run the ball. Okay, run the ball. Stack the line. 
Get the two tight ends in there and dare them to stop you. Nobody is stopping you four times. And if they do, more power to them. But when you throw the ball, there's no reason an NFL team should not be able to gain one yard on four plays. It does happen, of course. There's such a thing as a goal line stand. But I refuse to believe that if the Jets take Zonovan Knight and pound him into a line with um, you know, with with uh, two tight ends and 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 you know, the, what do they call that? They call it the jumbo, the jumbo um, formation. Get me a jumbo formation and try it four times, okay? Or three times. Try it three times, and then on the fourth try, do a do a play action and then hit one of the tight ends in the end zone. That works one hundred percent of the time. How many times have we seen it against the Jets? But everybody, not just the Jets, everybody, they they do a play action pass on the goal line, and there's a tight end no one's ever heard of. Your third string tight end standing alone in the end zone alone like when i say alone everybody's in the pile and you have one guy standing there by himself you you mean to tell me if the jets ran the ball into the line three times they wouldn't have scored and if they didn't score that that would not have been the case on fourth down where you go for it again and you do a play action you know i mean where is this this create and that's not even creative that's just logic you know they're they're a team to every player on that field is is over six feet with some rare exceptions and a yard is half of that. Every player on that field is t- is almost twice or more the size of one single yard. And the Jets needed one single yard, four attempts into the end zone, and not even one play action. And giving up the run after two after two of those plays makes absolutely zero sense to me. And the creativity inside the red zone was absolutely terrible. It was really bad. And I don't know what Lafleur is thinking. I don't know if you can't say he doesn't trust his talent because they're doing the job in between the twenties. And I realize things tighten up. I realize it's a much shorter field. I realize it's more limited in the red zone, but you have to adjust. You have to adjust and you can't get away from what works for you. Zonovan Knight may not have had a, a monster game. He had one monster run. And other than that, the running game wasn't working, but you have to get this team to stop stacking the line. If they know you're running, they're going to stack the line. So you throw a pass. If they know you're passing, they're not going to stack the line. So you run. It, it, it's all situational. Situational play calling is, 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 adjusting and going along as as the game feeds you opportunities and it just seems to me that that LaFleur doesn't read the game and and I have to put as much blame on him as I do on anyone else for this game so um let's talk a little bit about Salah um couple of things I did not like one in particular which ended up kind of working out and people want to talk about the field goal that they gave up it doesn't matter because the Jets ended up kicking a field goal at the end of the half that they probably would not have had an opportunity to if they had kicked the ball away. Um, but, you know, Salah going for it on fourth and two, down 17 to three already uh, from his own 42 with with a minute and change left in the half doesn't make a lot of sense to me. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Punt the ball away. Let your defense um, hopefully buckle up a little bit. And then if they, you know, if they, um, if they march down the field and kick a field goal, then you're in no worse shape than you were anyway if you give them the ball in the 42. Um, and as I said, it, it ended up, working out because Minnesota did kick a field goal and the Jets got the ball back and then Zerlin kicked the 60 yarder. Um, so, so that, that basically flatlined. It, it was basically a wash, but I still don't like the call. Um, the other, uh, what was the other thing I had a problem with Salah about? Oh, oh, now this is, this is total hindsight at the time. I didn't think it right, but hindsight being what it is. Um, and so, so it's not really a fair bone to pick, but I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw it out there anyway. The Jets, have fourth and whatever it was, you know, late in the game. Um, 
and um, I, you know, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna let this one go. Never mind, because I think they were on the one. Um, but I remember someone pointing out, and I thought it made sense that if the Jets had kicked the field goal, they had three timeouts left, they could get the ball to Minnesota. And the way the defense was playing, if the Jets stopped them, they get the ball back, and they could win with with a field goal. That seems to me to be total 2020 hindsight play calling. And I'm trying to remember the circumstances because if it was fourth and one, you go for it every time. If if it was a situation where it's fourth and long and you went for it anyway, then I could see the logic in that. So, so there is a little bit of a tiny bone to pick there, like a little wishbone from a turkey on Thanksgiving. But uh, I'm going to let that one go and not fight it too hard. Uh, overall, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dissatisfied with the team in general for this loss. And I, and, and the, the, the main point I have to pick with Salah was one that didn't, that didn't hurt them anyway. Um, uh, moral victories. I mean, I, that's one thing I have not said on this particular show, but I've been talking about it all week. And, and I'm glad that I looked at my notes because moral victories, that is what everybody's happy about. Okay. A moral victory is like, well, at least this, and at least that that's, that's the hallmark of a, of a moral victory as well. At least this, it's just another way of, of saying, Hey, it's okay to lose even if you played hard. And that, you know, when you're a kid, that's great. When you're a, a young, bad team playing against a good team, you play it hard and you lost, well, at least they played hard, whatever. There's no more moral victories for a team that's seven and four and supposedly got all its, all its, you know, you know teeth, you know, all cutting its teeth on, on tight games early in the season. I don't want to hear about moral victories this point in the season. And this was a moral victory. Anybody who's out there saying, well, at least they took it to the last play against a 10 and two team, bull crap. I'll say bullshit. I'll, I'll, I'll it, listen. We have an explicit tag on this podcast. I may as well make it explicit. Bullshit. No more moral victories. That's that's September and October stuff. That's bad team against good team stuff. That's an undermanned team that had a bunch of injuries in the game and still hung in there. Moral victories. You want to do it? Whatever. The Jets have had years to have moral victories. No more moral victories. We want actual ones now. Um. Oh, so here's an interesting one that someone pointed out on Facebook. This is more of a rhetorical question, but it's, it is interesting, right? He said he feels, he has a feeling the Jets are going to trade Mike White in the offseason for a number one pick. So not only do I think it's ridiculous, because if he was worth a number one pick, then why would they trade him? They just play him. But here's here's the question. It, it makes for an interesting question, and and I love I love your response, your your feedback. So let's let's talk in in the comments. Would you trade Mike White for a number one pick right now? Okay, let's say someone came to you and said, all right, I'm going to give you a number one pick. I want White. Would you accept it? Okay. My answer is absolutely not. Okay, definitely not. Because what is that number one pick going to be? Another quarterback you're going to have to start over with? Um, if you had asked me this two weeks ago before White started, and, and someone came to you and said, I want to offer you a number one pick for this kid. And you would have been like, hell yeah, yeah give me the number one pick. You would have laughed all the way to the bank, put that number one pick in your pocket and then pick somebody late, you know, next year. And it would have been like, hey, thank God we got this guy from Mike White. But now, and this has nothing to do, oh, well, maybe a little bit, but mostly nothing to do with White's performance. Why would you accept a number one pick for a guy who might be your guy? At this point, you can no longer take the chance that he's not. You can't trade him for a number one pick because let's say Mike White is, you know, mostly as good as he's appeared to be. That means he's a pretty competent NFL quarterback. Do you trade, a, a, you know, in the Jets situation where they are really, you know, really young, ready, ready to move forward and hopefully, hopefully learning how to win these close games and they'll learn their lesson, whatever. Do you trade away a, a competent to very good quarterback, even for a number one pick? I say no. So two weeks ago, 
I would have taken your number one pick from White. I probably would have taken, you know, I definitely would have taken a two or three. And if you want to tell me, I would consider a four a few weeks ago. But now that he's that he's loved by the team and he's he's played pretty well in a couple of games, you don't trade him. You just don't. I mean, obviously a big package maybe, but you don't trade him for a single number one pick. You just don't do it. It's uh, at this point. You want to talk about a turnaround? Mike White has has made himself untradeable at least now. I can't say in the off season, depending on what goes on, and if let's say in the off season the Jets, you know, make a trade for a for a quarterback or free agent signing or whatever, and you got the guy that you know is going to be there for a couple of years while you make a run, then sure, then you trade Mike White for a number one pick. But right now, you can't trade him. You just can't, even for a number one pick. Uh, multiples maybe yeah yeah but for a single number one pick you don't trade them now so that that was an interesting question even though the user uh you know the user i think it was facebook had said uh you know would you trade him for i think they're going to trade him for a number one pick you know if, if he's worth a number one pick you don't trade him because he's good you play him but um you know so that just brought to mind hey you know would you do it so that's my answer what's yours leave that on the bottom all right i'm gonna end this one here fake spike podcast number 84 in the books i'll be back later in the week with a preview show for this weekend against the bills <laughs> it's gonna be a tough one let's, uh, let's hope the jets can surprise us but uh, it's gonna be a tough call i'll be back with our fake spike 85 to do a little preview show all right talk to you then thanks so much have a good one.